You know, I was uh, reading a book some years ago about a president, and uh, I like to read a variety of books, and I, you know, biography is really interesting and fascinating to me, and uh, this particular president was a follower of Jesus, and um, he had made a decision and was following that decision, and he was getting all kinds of uh, advice from the guys around him, his, his own personal advisors, as well as uh, the host of people flowing in, uh, or voices flowing in from the media. But he was sticking to his gun, sticking to the decision he had made, uh, and was following it. And even then, all of his, his, his you know, closest advisors came into him in the Oval Office, and he's there sitting in his chair in this book, and, and they're trying to, each one of them are telling him something different he needs to do. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to go out and explain this. These guys are saying that you don't have A, B, and C in order to make the decision, but we know. We see it on your desk. You have A, B, and C. Just go and tell them. And uh, the president told everybody to be quiet. And uh, with great calm and peace uh, in his communication, told those guys in the room that it did not matter what all these voices were saying because he knew what was right, because God had instructed him in the way to go. And he told them in the room, what, what, what really matters, guys, is motivating influences. Are we going to allow this, these myriad of voices that are just speaking because of the moment, or are we going to allow the one steady voice to be the guiding uh, influence in our lives? And so this president, he allowed God to influence his decisions rather than the many voices trying to guide him in other directions. And so what we're going to look at today is a series of scripture of Jesus. He builds his discussion points and gets to an issue that we're dealing with right now in the world, the amount of voices we listen to and how it sets the temperature for us in our daily lives. It becomes this vicious cycle. I don't know if, if this is the case with you. I know a lot of times it is with me. Uh, is we'll read something, maybe on social media, or we'll hear it on the news, and it'll get our anxiety up, level up a little bit. It'll be some new fact, some new insight into uh, the numbers or some issue or whatever. And that'll get us a little frustrated, so we'll mute the news or we'll put down Facebook for a minute. But then the next few seconds, we just want to know more information about whatever the thing is we just read, never mind if it's true or not. And so we pull the phone back up or we click the TV back on, just trying to suck in more information. It's this vicious cycle that it brings more anxiety, which makes us want more information, which brings more anxiety, which makes us want more quote-unquote factual information. And uh, we, we allow these these variety of voices to influence how we are, how we think, and how we operate day to day. And so Jesus is going to speak to this in Matthew chapter 7. So if you turn in your Bible to Matthew 7, it'll be on your screen as well uh, as we go through here. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is here is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, which is the, the biggest recorded teaching, we, singular recorded teaching we have of Jesus, he's explaining to these people who want to follow him what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And as he's getting near the end of that sermon, uh, we find in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, uh, three different, uh, not, I mean, they are different, but they are sequential and tied together uh, teachings about this issue. Uh, so Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Jesus said, 
Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So he's talking about the narrow gate, wide gate, easy road, hard road. Well, the easy road is, is pretty deceptive. You know, life is, is, is hard enough without uh, adding more difficulties to the journey. And so uh, I don't know how you operate. I would want to take the easy road over the hard road. I mean, it is. There's all kinds of already issues that we have. And so trying to then intentionally take the hard road is not something that I'm keen on. I'm sure you're not either. And so sometimes we make our pursuits in life all about the easiest time or encountering the least amount of obstacles and problems and and trying to diffuse these issues, not because they need diffusing, but just because we're tired of having so many problems and issues in our lives. We just want to keep it on the down. We want to keep it low and not have to deal with some of these things. And so we try and fight for a degree of ease or a degree of comfort, or maybe it's we, we try to fight for a return to normalcy, as I'm sure many of us are experiencing right now, because life at the moment is very uh, not normal. Maybe, maybe we're trying to fight for something we've, in our brains, labeled is normal. Maybe it's not, you know, in actuality normal, but it's something we've grown accustomed to. And so for us, it feels like it's normal, and so we're, we're trying to get our schedule back looking like normal. You know, maybe we're trying a return to normal or, or uh, a, a level of comfort or ease in our financial situation, uh, in how we spend our money, how we say. Maybe we want to return to normal and, or what we think is normal in our health situation, nationwide or in our own personal lives. Maybe we want to return to normal or or fighting for comfort when it comes to our schedule, or even in this day and age, just a trip to the store. We just want that to be normal. We want to get to the store and not have to deal with 10,000 people fighting over toilet paper. We just want to go and do what we always do and and, see one or two people we know and, and get in, get out, and not have to deal with the craziness. And we want to return to an easier time or a comfortable time or a normal Time. But the thing is, when our goal, our unstated goal is ease, our unstated destination is failure. Every single time. When, when the goal of our situation, when the goal of what we're pursuing is a return to normal, a return to, to ease, a return to comfort, then we're not going to succeed in what God has designed us to succeed at. Because our goal and destination is the wrong thing. When we're chasing comfort, we are experiencing what in actuality is is really the um, poison of greed. We're we're desiring something with an exceptional amount of desire. It's consuming our uh, our mindset. It's consuming the energy we're putting into the functionality of our day. Uh, It's consuming us. And and the thing about that is, is it never satisfies Never satisfies, not once, not ever, because we're going to continue to want more, continue just like greed, want more ease, want more comfort, want more normal. There's always going to be something that's not quite normal, it's not quite comfortable, and so we want to get back to what it was, what we think it was, how we think we remember it, and so it's not going to be the same. It's never going to satisfy 
Chasing comfort in reality stifles the Spirit's influence in my life. Chasing comfort stifles the Spirit's influence on me. Because when I'm chasing comfort and I'm chasing normalcy, quote-unquote normalcy, that's what's consuming my, my every waking moment. It's all about that. Not about hearing from the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, being guided by the Spirit. It's all about how I can, how I can get back to normal, how we can uh, stop the virus, how we can uh, uh, get to the store without encountering anybody or without touching a doorknob or without touching uh, a shopping cart, without touching the knob on the car or the, the handle on the car. How can I do all of these things? And when I'm consumed with all of that, I'm not consumed with the Spirit. Because chasing Christ fuels contentment. Whereas chasing comfort stifles the spirit. When I chase Christ, it fuels contentment. I can find contentment. And in contentment, there is peace. And if there's something the world needs, particularly at this particular moment, I mean, me as well, is peace. Peace, a calming sense. Not just to feel internally, but to give off to those I interact with, whether physically or digitally or through text message or phone calls. Chasing Christ fuels contentment because no matter how pressing my journey is, if I'm chasing Christ, then I will find life to the abundant. John 10.10, 10, as Jesus said, he came to give life abundantly. And so if we're chasing Christ, pursuing Christ, we will find that abundant life no matter how pressing life becomes. And what's interesting about that word pressing that I just said, if you look there in verse 14, uh, where Jesus said, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. That word hard literally means to press hard against. It means a pressing. So when life is pressing, we can still find comfort. We can still find contentment when we are chasing after Christ. That's the only way it can be found. The abundant life can only be found in following Jesus. But there are some still who are on the other road, the easy Road who may attempt to influence the life of the disciple. So the Christian has to be on their guard. And now the way a lot of this plays out, some on the easy road trying to influence those on the more difficult road away from where they are following is through maybe a commentary of somebody on the easy road about your life or a criticism from somebody else about something you're doing or experiencing. Or maybe it's online, maybe it's uh, um, on the news, maybe somebody makes commentary about what you are doing or how you are living or how even you are following Jesus. Maybe somebody is being a critic in that sense. Maybe your phone blew up this week as mine did about certain issues, about certain criticisms, about certain commentary about different things. And you have to ask yourself in the moment, just like the story I told earlier about the president, will you listen to the Spirit's influence or those other voices, those other influencers? And so Jesus speaks about some who are on the easy road, influencing those on the hard road. Look at verse 15. Jesus said, Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous Wolves, this, this ravenous wolf thing, this, they are destructively vicious. They are intentionally coming after you with all sorts of violence and malicious intent. You know, you may at least initially see some of these influencers as innocent, as um, wholesome, as 
uh, helpful, uh, but just lying beneath the surface is something a lot, as uh, uh, his word there is, ravenous, a lot more ravenous, a lot more destructive, a lot more vicious. It's a destructive force that's ready to uproot anything uh, uh, that we have uh, uh, placed there at the Spirit's insistence. It's ready to uproot anything that is within the sound of its voice, this destructive force trying to influence us away from the path of Jesus. Look at verse 16. Jesus said, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So these uh, uh, people trying to influence us away from Jesus' way, as he says, false prophets, ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. They appear innocent, but they are not. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. If they're unhealthy, they bear bad fruit. Now, that word bad literally means evil, like sinful fruit. And diseased, I found that word very interesting. If they are a diseased tree, and the way Jesus uses it there in verse 17, he says you have a healthy tree bearing good fruit, then you have a diseased tree bearing bad fruit. So an unhealthy tree is diseased, is a diseased tree. That word disease means uh, it is harmful, it is unwholesome, it is corrupting. And you look at that, well, what does a diseased tree actually look like? What does it mean to be a diseased tree, to have a diseased tree bear this bad fruit, evil fruit, to try to influence you away from the pursuits of Jesus? Well, the only way we can really, you know, we can try to interpret what that means, but the best way to interpret Scripture is with Scripture. And so there's another place that word is used. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 29, and Jesus said that, or not Jesus, but Paul, uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, he said, anything that is unhealthy, anything that is diseased is something uh, that uh, uh, does not build up, something that is not necessary, and something that does not give grace. And so he doesn't say either, he doesn't say these things have to have, you know, any one of these three things in order to be healthy. The way Paul phrases it in Ephesians 4, 29 is, if you, if the person giving these things off doesn't have all three, then there is an ill health. So let me say them again from Ephesians 4.29. Uh, it has to be, it has to, uh, a buildup has to be encouraging, has to be necessary, and has to give grace. And so any influence, any, any uh, voice speaking into your life that is not all three of those things, it is coming from an unhealthy place. It is coming from, Jesus' word, a diseased place. If it doesn't encourage, if it's not necessary, if it doesn't give grace, then it's not healthy for us. And so what we have to do then is we have to be very selective in the voices to which we listen. We have to be very selective in the voices to which we listen. Something that I've tried to do since much of this started is uh, uh, when I get home after work, I don't check social media for a while. I just don't, because it, it, it messes me up, and I'm not focused on the moment. I want to go and check more, see if there's new news, and uh, so I have to, 
shut it down. And so I've got to be selective in the voices to which I listen. And so it's something we all need to, to work on, the voices to which we listen. We have to select which ones will we allow to help us because the voices we listen to will either uh, increase your health or they will produce in you the same level of ill health that they have themselves. For example, like, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. They will produce within us the same level of ill health they have if we allow the, the diseased voices to influence us away from what Jesus has. And, and the ones uh, uh, who are speaking may not themselves realize that the words they're saying are diseased and are bad and are evil and have great destructive force in the lives of those around. Most, many of the times we don't always realize that. And so Jesus is saying we need to be careful who uh, we allow to influence us, what we allow to influence us. And the thing is, too, some of these voices that we're listening to may be internal. Maybe things we're saying to ourselves. Maybe, maybe conversations we're having in our mind because of something we read. And so we're having these conversations. Or maybe it's a conversation we're having in our mind because something somebody said to us. And so these diseased voices may be coming from our own spirit. And we got to shut that down and listen singularly to Jesus. But you know what else, if you can believe it? Some of these unhealthy voices are even in God's church. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so look at what Jesus says. I mean, this, this can be a fearful passage if you don't know Jesus. But for those who do, it's not at all. He says, not everyone who calls out to me is a believer. They can have the head knowledge. They can know of me and about me. But if they don't follow me and believe in me, then... I don't know them. So we can see the people he's talking about are people involved in church, involved in attendance, involved in activities. But attendance and activities are no guarantees of a believing heart. Involvement is no guarantee of a believing heart. Because simple activity does not determine life status or, or eternal status before God himself. You see, because it all comes down to that word Jesus uses in verse 23. When he said, I never knew you. That word literally means to know intimately. It's a relationship deal. So relationship determines status with Jesus. Relationship determines status. And then from there, the activities, the, the doing uh, of these things that grow from the relationship are the recognizable fruit that he spoke about earlier in verse 20. But we must practice what we preach. We can't just do it. We have to believe it. And from the belief, from the following, from the relationship, then grows the activities, then grows the, the, uh, uh, the doing of the things. Like he mentions there, the prophecy and the casting out of the demons and the many mighty works, the doing the work of the believer follows the relationship because the works have no power if there is no relationship to begin with. And so we look at that, we see this, you know, 
maybe not so much practicing what we preach, rather practicing what Jesus preached, as he says there, um, uh, hear these words of mine and do them, uh, in, in uh, I think the next verse, verse 24. Do them, but it might seem daunting. Maybe it doesn't to you. It does sometimes to me. I mean, if you read off three of these chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, all the stuff that Jesus is talking about doing to fulfill the life of a disciple, it, it seems like, man, I'm not going to be able to fulfill that deal. That's a lot. You know, if I just made a massive checklist of everything that Jesus said to do there, I, I would never live up to that, never come close to that. How can we live up to, to such a seemingly perfect standard? But we must also understand that just because there's a lack of perfection in our execution of the words of Jesus. We're not necessarily the diseased trees that he's talking about, the diseased trees to be cut down. Because as long as we're moving in the right direction, which is growth towards Jesus, we're moving where he desires us to go. Just as a plant exposed to the sun will grow in the direction of the sun, so also a life exposed to the sun, Jesus, will grow in the direction of the sun, Jesus. He offers us grace. If we are exposed to Jesus, we will grow in his direction. If we allow Jesus to be the primary source of influence in our lives, then our lives will be patterned after his, after his direction, after his words, after his guidance. If we are following what Jesus has for us, <coughs> And listening to Jesus, it will change who we are. It will change not just who we are. It will change our perception. It will change our interactions. It will change our destination if we expose ourselves to Jesus for the first time and listen to Jesus and believe in Jesus for the very first time. So we must introduce more of Jesus and his influence into our lives. And there we will find that Practice doesn't make perfect. Practicing the life of a disciple, engaging in the life of a disciple, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice, practicing the life of a disciple, makes progress. Practice makes progress. Progress is the goal of a disciple of Jesus. Making progress is the goal of uh, uh, the life of a disciple of Jesus. Being better today than I was yesterday. Being better today than I was a year ago. Being better today than I was a month ago. Being better today than I was earlier this morning when my mind was consumed with other kinds of thoughts. Being better in my pursuit of Jesus because I'm, a, I, I'm allowing him more influence into my life. And that guides and changes my mind, it changes my heart, it changes my words, it changes my whole direction in life, the more I allow him to influence me, making progress, making pursuit of Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves then, do I want to make progress? Do I want to be better today than I was yesterday? Do I want to be better than I was last week, better than I was a year ago? If I want to be better, then I need Jesus. I need more Jesus in my life. If I've never had Jesus, I need to grab him and, and bring him into my life for the very first time. Not just have this head knowledge of him, but, but embrace a belief in him. Leave the easy road. Find the narrow road that he said leads to life. And in John 10.10, 10, life more abundant. If I will pursue him, I can find this. 
But that also means quieting the, the, the outside voices and influences or the internal voices and influences of my own that would seek to pull me away from where God wants me to go, that would seek to bring a detour into my life and, and, and veer me off from where God has set me on. And so I have to ask first, do I need to believe in Jesus? Do I need to follow Jesus for the first time? Do I need to step off of, of the easy road and embrace the narrow road? Maybe, maybe I am one of these that he's been talking about in verse 21. I'm one who has been doing and doing and doing, but I didn't really believe. And I need to know him. You need to know him for the first time today. Maybe you've known him, but you've allowed all these other influences and voices to pull you away from what God has intended for you to be right now for such a time as this as abnormal as it is. And so you have to ask yourself, how many influences do you have in your life right now? What do they tend to say? What tone do they use when they speak to you? What can you do today to ensure that Jesus becomes the singular, most important influence in your life today? And so I'm going to pray. And as I pray, after I pray, uh, the music team's going to come. We're going to sing one more song. And, uh, but you can go to our website. There's a link below this video in the description um, that uh, takes you to our website. We have a, a decision uh, button on the main page of our website. And there you can, if you've made a decision or you want to make a decision, you want to talk to somebody about a decision, you can fill out just a little short form. It's your name, email, phone number. You can, it's uh, how you want us to contact you and then what your decision is. And you can tell us about that. Or if you just need prayer, you can fill that out as well and say, I need prayer for this specific issue right now in this moment. Uh, and that email goes to our office. It comes to me. Uh, we, we, we'll get that and we will contact you about that and be praying for you. I will put you on my personal prayer list about whatever that issue is. So fill that out. And as we pray, if you need to know Jesus or you need to work on what the influences are in your life, 